0: The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the first chapter. Glory to you, o Lord. Jesus and his disciples went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. Just then there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? And they obey him. At once, his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding regions of Galilee. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, Please be seated at this time. I ask all the young and the young at heart forward for a special message. I hope it might does not work, but yours does. Thank you. <clears throat> Now, will you join me in prayer? Gracious God, send your spirit upon this place, nurture us by the gift of your word, and strengthen us to be in this world, the body and the presence of your son, Jesus Christ. All these things and all the things of our hearts we lift before you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. When we look at the world around us, how do we identify power and authority? You know, there's a subtle difference between power and authority. It is subtle, but it's real. In our scripture this morning, Jesus taught in the synagogue as one having authority, not as the scribes. And that word authority can actually still mean power. I mean, it's the same word. But the way that they're used... In scripture in, in the world that we live in, there, there, there's a difference. And I think that whether we realize it or not, we see that difference each and every day. People are taught when they go on a job interview that uh, to make a good impression you wear like a power tie. Have you heard of that? Or, or a power dress. Something that conveys confidence and competence and, and something that shows you're entitled to a decent pay and a certain amount of rights in the workplace. There are many ways that people express their perceived status of power over or against one another. The way that we extend a handshake can let people know if we think of ourselves as superior, equal, or submissive to the people we're in a conversation with. The way we maintain eye contact in a conversation does the same thing. And not only that, but the language that we use to describe ourselves or the world around us or our actions... Say a lot about the power that we assume for ourselves. Everything from the way that we carry ourselves as we walk in and out of a room or down the street, to the way we treat waiters and waitresses in a restaurant, express how we or others perceive a power dynamic existing in a room, how we see ourselves in relationship with our neighbors. Each and every one of us have probably been in a room at some point with a person who has this sense of of, of arrogance or of self-importance. This sense of superiority that, that covers everyone in the room. And we know that being made to feel small or insignificant in such a person's presence is demeaning. And we wind up in those moments giving a little piece of ourselves over to someone else all because of the way that we perceive power playing out around us. And, if we're completely honest, each and every one of us have exerted a sense of power over or against someone else, be it to, to win an argument, to, to prove a point, to get our way uh, in a situation, or to move up the food chain. Now you have notice throughout all this I've used words like perceive and assume. Because that's where the distinction between power and authority begin to take place. You see, power as this world understands it is, is something that we claim for ourselves. It's something that has to be taken and grabbed up and, and hoarded. Something that's taken away from another in our relationship with other people. Power, when used this way, is is selfish and self-serving, and and it devalues the goodness of God in someone else. Power, as I have described it, is is something that has to be constantly attended to, constantly fed, like a parasite that would die off if its host were somehow absent or died. Making all the little cliches that we hear about power a little bit more understandable and Even still all the more true. Power corrupts, but absolute power corrupts absolutely. Knowledge is power. Power, when understood in this way, is something that has to be constantly attended to. It's hungry, and it requires a lot of work. But authority, authority is something that That is innate, something that that doesn't seek its own validation. Authority is something that extends itself, that gives of itself, not for personal gain, but for the sake of another. And now, you know, you may be looking at me saying, well, that's semantics. You just said it was the same word. How can it be so different? But, But hear me out. Our lesson today says that Jesus taught in the synagogue as one having authority and not as the scribes, the authority... That this crowd recognized in him doesn't have anything to do with Jesus wearing a power tie or having a a power stance in the pulpit. It has to do with the sum and the substance of the message, the gift that he's passing on in his teaching. It has to do with the content of his message. Because what Jesus is passing on to this crowd means something. Something. And they hear it and they understand it as an authority different than what they've seen before. These scribes, these teachers in the synagogues, they may have been saying all of the right things. They may have been explaining the scriptures perfectly. But it doesn't mean that what they were saying worked to build up those who heard them. It doesn't mean that they spoke and they shared the gifts of God in a way that helped to build up the crowds gathered there. Authority, genuine authority is easy for us to recognize because when someone speaks or acts or does something with compassion and integrity and substance, we know that their motives are clear and their intentions are to create a better world for those around them rather than building up their own empire of emptiness and greed. And with that authority comes the true power, the true power that we attribute to God. Not the ability to strike fear into people when you walk into a room, but the capacity to usher in real substantive change, real peace, real wholeness in the space that exists between our members of this congregation, between members of God's good creation, between all aspects of this world. And so it was with an authoritative power, a word of substance and change that Jesus cast out this demon, an entity that was exerting itself over an innocent human being, a demon claiming something that it did not have for itself, power. So again, I say that the distinction here, it's subtle. But it's real. You see, the power of this world attempts to exert and promote itself over and against other people. But but the power that comes from God, it works to build up, to care for, to tend to the brokenness and the needs of this world. Let's look at a different lesson to get the same uh, message this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. The people of Corinth have made distinctions among themselves because some claim to have a a superior knowledge about what's going on in the world around them. A more rational understanding about their community and what it means to be a Christian in a pagan society. You see, it was a a custom in these pagan cultures to offer up food to idols and consume them as part of the community. And, And so part of these... Christians are saying, well, these idols are all fake. They're all false. The food doesn't change anything. It's still good to eat, so eat it. It doesn't matter. But others, because they recognize the power that this, this culture has had over generations, because they recognize that, they say, no, this food is tainted and it destroys our spiritual well-being and we should avoid it. And so this division, as as Trivial, as it may seem to us here 2,000 years removed, was a power play among these early Christians. Some looking at others saying, well, you're just caught behind the times. You don't really know or understand what it is that's going on here. You don't know in your heart of hearts that God is the one true God of all. To which Paul says, knowledge puffs up. But love builds up. And that's where the distinction is, isn't it? In talking to the Corinthians about division among community, when some claim a higher standing among others because they possess some rational sense of knowledge, they've exerted power over their neighbor. But what Paul values, what God in Christ Jesus values... Is the love, the self giving, the self emptying action of healing, of mercy, of understanding, of treating all people with dignity and respect and humility. That's what Jesus has done to this man possessed by a demon. In loving him and using his authority and power to speak a word of liberation for this man, Jesus demonstrates the life. Of meaning and wholeness that he has in store for each and every one of us. And so as Christians we follow his example. Though though Jesus has all authority and power in all of creation. We remember that he gave it all up. So that he could show us how to live a life worth living. And love and serve our neighbor in ways never thought possible before. The word that Jesus is speaking to each and every one of us here and now is the same word that he spoke in the synagogue. Love your neighbor and what's more, love your enemies, even as you love yourself. Treat those around you with grace and mercy and peace because they are God's children as well. But you yourselves be healed, be whole and know that. God is our God, that we are God's people. And before God, all people are loved and worthy of being built up. In the name of Christ Jesus. Amen.